Exit the Matrix podcast. I am Amin Drew Law, aka Amin Habibi, aka Amin TMK, plus size model pronouns he, him, and Habibi. I am joined uh, by my uh, counterparts over here. Uh, do y'all mind introducing yourselves? Yo, it's a motherfucking mo man, the little tanky that could. And it's Kita. Gang, the gang is all here. Um, I have to apologize. Oh, I'm not going to apologize. I just want to, you know, because, you know, capitalism is keeping me down. I've had to have a laptop for the last eight years. And extreme poverty. Uh, it went the way of, who was it, like Old Yeller, where we had to go in the back and, you know, shoot it. Shoot that motherfucker, <laughs> shoot that bro. Motherfucker. So R.I.P. R.I.P. to my old laptop. I just want y'all to know, man, we have some great shit. And, uh, you know, hey, the world keeps on moving. Y'all survived, so y'all didn't need our advice anyway I shouldn't yeah. feel so much pressure to put a positive spin on you know what i'm saying but but you know it's a new week we got new knowledge for y'all we sorry about that time but we gonna get it on i want to give a shout out to all the people out there who are working all the activists all the organizers there's a lot to talk about in terms of geopolitics and revolutions that are on the way i'm very excited to speak on that are y'all ready to enter into the matrix man we do i just want to say man y'all coming y'all staying and we appreciate y'all let's do our part though right because we already know the bane of america American voters is low intelligence and people think that's just something that plagues the right it's something that plagues the the republicans and the democrats i refuse to call them the left we are the left and so like if we gonna do what we gotta do man we we putting it on y'all man get us more shares share us on your medias have these conversations with your homies of course but let's see us uh let's see y'all put us up on uh platforms man bring it out there share with your peoples <laughs> i'd be remiss to say we're on Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook. Uh, you can follow us there. Uh, like us at Matrix Podcast. That's spoke. We're also on the Mark Zuckerberg's Instagram. Um, so follow us at Matrix Podcast. Uh, I've been heavy on there as of late because it's been raining for the last 17 days over here in Washington, D.C. It's just been gloomy. So I've just been on the gram trying to connect. So hit us up on the gram. We're also on Twitter at Matrix Podcast. Um, like us, share us, uh, on Apple Podcasts. Please review us. I'm tired. I'm, I'm d- not tired, but I'm done with, uh, with promoting us. Let's get into I am some, riddled with shame. some, uh, some geopolitics, shall we? Yes, indeed. It's nothing personal for me. It's just business. The streets of Baltimore, on the streets of Detroit, during the, the 60s in New York City. Immediately within it, you are going to get those people whose differences are not being articulated, which is right up. You expecting any backlash? Oh, I'm already in it. Oh, yeah. Bolivia, bruh. Bolivia, man. The goodies back at it. Yo, I was worried for Evo, man. For real, man. You know, I mean, we know how it goes with brown socialists. You know, especially when you've tried to do the the right thing and the kind thing and you want to debate and hear both sides and you don't want them to see you as a militaristic green country you know mostly those guys die man he ducked and dodged he found some places to lay his head low he waited he knew that the people really wanted what he wanted and that's why he was there he was a representation of the people's will and when you know that you really are and it's not about you it's about the fucking people Man, that's when socialism really does the most. What the fuck, man? When did it become like a radical act to like give a fuck about the people that live near you? To want to see people other than just you do good? Yes, capitalism though, I feel like. And you know, that's why the conversation when we're talking about Bolivia, who just voted back in 
um, the Socialist Party. I, I don't know the exact uh, – what's the party's name? Can we get the crack team on that? But uh, they just voted back in the uh, uh, Socialist Party that had been – it was been, it was a military coup. Uh, we, we talked about this a few podcasts ago. Podcast is how I tell time. And uh, here we are a year later after a right-wing anti-indigenous government was established by <clears throat> probably um, uh, uh, you know people who are um, close with Murica. Uh, I mean, now- Elon Musk was bragging about we'll cool whoever we want. This is the Bolivian thing that, that we were talking about with that and what happened immediately. Tesla stock shares plummeted. 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 We're looking at a, a country that now understands and has been conditioned to see, you know, this aspect of socialism as something that is beneficial to their lives. It's not constant propaganda when people go, oh, socialist countries such as Venezuela. We don't want to be Venezuela. And you're like, well, what do you not like about Venezuela and compared to the American uh, empire? So you have a polarity, a, 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 a constituency of people in Bolivia who understand the benefits of socialism. Socialism and what Evo Morales stood for in the time that he was president uh, in Bolivia. So a little bit of good news. I mean, great news because it also speaks to what the people want and will do to get their country back. Because, like, let's be honest, the coup. Because I guess what the way Western media, particularly, has tried to frame it is, is well, Bolivia didn't want Evo Morales, and then Bolivians were like, "Fuck you!" Yes, we do. Yeah, they wanted right wing, anti indigenous, <laughs> violent, conservative. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they well, Even though they didn't vote for that, yo. But when you talk about the checkered history of like the farm and their hits and misses, South America plays out like their greatest hits and misses. I mean, depending on what country you're in. You know, I mean, look at how Chile, how they ran, you know, with Pinochet for all of those years to the point whereas even when, right, and we'll get there, you know, when they just rejected the, the, the constitution set forth by the dictator Pinochet, you still have a lot of Chileans that are like, you know, I mean, it's even more, more serious than the right wing movements, or at least as serious as the right wing movements in America and in the United States. You have people walking through the streets with guns and body armor talking about death to communists. Like that shit that still happens in Chile. And so they always think they'll get those kind of PR wins. You know, even though uh, in Chile they just took an L. They never expected to be like Bolivia. They never expected to be like, uh, you know, Venezuela, where, again, the root of the people, the heart of the people is with that deep socialist movement. But there's always one person who's willing to just take that money and make the dragons deal. You know, a, a fucking Juan Guaido ass motherfucker. Juan waiting Guaido. To, Juan Guaido. You know, hey, he about to declare himself president of the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about a week. Right. Juan Guaido. Right. Like, can you talk, can, can either of y'all talk a little bit more about the Pinochet regime real quick, just from yeah, yeah, context? Yeah. So I, I'm going to put you like this, alright? Most people think, white girl, they think that that powder, they think them snowflakes started in Colombia, but the whole process of that shit was in chile man that's where that shit look got picked up in the in the big big fucking way before even the medellin fucking uh you know cartel was involved uh cocaine was a chilean fucking activity now most americans have very little idea about who pinochet is but I'll put you like this. The last time I remember Pinochet being mentioned in American pop culture was in Breaking Bad. If you remember the, the, the episode where they sat down the Armano brothers and like the, the Mexican cartel was like, I know you're from Chile and I know you Pinochet's boy. 
so I can't fuck with you. Yeah. That's the weight that this dude was carrying. <laughs> right? So, because it's like, hey, fuck around. So this is the type of person that uh, was in power when the Constitution was written. So how 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 could it is, is that also Speci- accurate? Specifically put in power by Langley. Implemented, right. Facts. Yeah, by Langley and he wrote the const he rewrote the Constitution to essentially legalize everything terrible that he wanted to do. So they have the, the Chilean people have voted to rewrite the constitution. I thought, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, what's, can I ask a question? Um, what's so radical about that idea? I mean, how long ago was, was Pinochet in power? Uh, Pinochet was in power until like the nineties, you know what I'm saying? So he was in power <laughs> wow. for like 30 or 40 years. Okay, so let's just say, time. so let's just say that was what, let's just say 1960. Right. That, okay. Um, when was the American constitution written? Yeah, that shit was written, you know what I'm saying? In the 16th century, the, the end of the, the, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, the end of the seven, uh, it was 1776. So the 18th century. So it's, and yeah, but still we continue to use this document right. written by, uh, well, and it goes to the inherent infallibility of white masculinity, right? And it's so funny to me when we talk about, um, uh, wanting to be rid of patriarchal norms, but then you're having a Supreme Court justice who still says literally perfectionism. You know what I'm saying? Originalism. The way it was written is exactly these guys can't make mistakes. These guys that own humans. We'll come back to that more, but like it's why you have to see constitutions as living, viable documents that change with the people. And that need to change with the people. No, that's an actual fact. Living documents. I mean, we have a living document right now working on uh, at the Alphabet Organization's uh, Google Drive right here. Um, <laughs> you may be using it on, on y- yourself, but I, I think uh, the moral of this story, maybe the moral is not the right word, but um, uh, envision a better world. It can happen. It can change. Okay, but like, let's also say, because I mean, even the narrative around this, it's like, well, they voted for their freedoms. No, the Chilean people had to do a lot more than that. Pinochet was murdering them in the streets. They still went out into the streets just like you see in D.C. and it's still not talked about. It's like there's people out in the streets who are saying, like, this voting shit is is not the only way that I'm going to get my rights because you guys are making voting impossible, which is what happened in Chile, too. And so they were like, we're taken to the streets. This is fucked up. The U.S. shouldn't keep having say in our fucking democracy or in our government and the way that we need to operate in this country. We want better for ourselves. And they fought for it. And now they have it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just goes back to, again, believing that you can create a better system than exists. Look, if we take it to the most simple argument, you have three tracks right now, right? There's the Republican track. There are rules, but they don't exist before us. We don't have to follow the rules. There's the Democrat track, quote unquote, we follow the rules, but we all know the rules are broken and the rules need to be changed, but we can't change them because these are the rules, The third track has to be we understand that we're not going to live by these rules because we're going to create a better set of rules. This is why it's important to get out of the binary way of thinking about how we can deal with harm reduction. We have to think about threat elimination. And it's just it's just getting our mind right. Starts with reimagining what a just culture looks like. And that is what Chile is doing. They're saying from the ground up, this is what we want our government to do. This is what happened in Bolivia. 
Bolivia. This is what's happening in Nigeria, where you have students out there saying, you know, we just simply don't want law enforcement to have the right to kill us without a trial. All around the world, these are basic inalienable human rights where people are saying, this is what we mean when we say life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It starts with life. If I don't have a right to be alive, then I don't have any other right. And that has to be an inalienable right. People are thinking about those concepts and applying them to the logical conclusion of where we are in today's life. I salute that. Yeah. So, let's you you mentioned uh, Nigeria. Let's can we can we dive in a little bit here? Um, <clears throat> the NSARS movement. I know you have seen uh, online in some capacity. I thought it would. Be, I, I forget who who put this on the the list, but I agree. This is something we need to be talking about. A little bit of background. Nigerians have been taken to the streets, peacefully demanding an end to police brutality, extrajudicial executions, and extortion by the special anti-robbery squad, aka SARS, a unit of the United Nigerian police tasked with fighting quote unquote violent crime, even though they're violent criminals. Uh, but they have been met with excessive force by army and police forces on uh, 20th of October. Peaceful processors were reportedly shot dead. They were uh, when the Nigerian army opened fire on protests at the leaky toll gate. Uh, like we talked about this here, America ain't nothing new. Extrajudicial uh, murders uh, continue to happen. Uh, but we see here the global movement um, uh, taking place here. And your thoughts, ideas um, on this car a particular situation, if you have any. Yeah, I mean, and the reason they say allegedly is because they are saying there's no recordings, there's no proof that this happened, that the government shot against its own people. Well, really not shot at, murdered its murdered. own people. Yeah. And the reason for this is, is because it's the same situation that we face here, where all of the CCT cameras in the area suddenly didn't work and the lights were switched off. It was essentially a blackout in that area so that they can indiscriminately murder What's their blackout? citizens. Yeah. yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> right, how funny. So it's... It was a premeditated murder and for people who were like, please stop killing us. And the government's response was, nah. Now, when we talk about, quote unquote, human rights violations in places like Venezuela, right? How do we not have the same level of pressure from the United States State Department for nations like Nigeria? And the answer is simple. These are nations that still can keep a completely dollarized economy that is connected to the petroleum, right? As it relates to petroleum. And because American corporations have corporate interest in Nigeria, which most people don't know, but that's one of the largest oil producing nations in the world. Like, I those think of the when we tell, let's talking about the British still having a lot of control as well over Absolutely. Nigerian oil. Absolutely. So long as right, the spice must flow. Right. This Doing is not a socialized nation. Right. And so the oil from there has to be available on the oil markets. Right. Which are dollarized economies. You have to see that, like when the United States has moved to fiat currency, the petroleum is traded only in dollars worldwide. So if you're sanctioned from doing business in dollars, you can't really get your petroleum off. Nigeria is a is a, is a dollarized petroleum. I would mean, say the other thing about this massacre, which is what we have to call it, right? The Lekki Toll Massacre, you should look up the details of it um, if you're able to stomach it. Do your own research. Yeah, do your own research. Um, is that it's not an isolated event. Uh, and not even the way that the Nigerian government, its soldiers were murdering people because it happened again in, uh, or it happened before with the Lagos Massacre in 2015 in which the government essentially murdered 348 Shiite Muslims 
Muslims that were trying to protest their oppression, essentially. Uh, and I, I feel like Nigeria is an example of what's happened in the United States. I feel like there was one Nigerian, perhaps on Twitter or an article that I read, that said, uh, that tried to warn Americans that said, hey, learn from my country. You're, it's too late for you. <laughs> I shouldn't feel but, so much pressure to put a positive spin on things. But this is what you can do to survive and make the incremental changes that you need to, to do the hard work to get your country back, but learn from mine. And, and this is the importance of talking about geopolitics because a lot of times it feels like we're in isolation that, you know, the United States is the worst that it can ever be in the entire world and not saying that it's not bad, that it's not terrible, that it hasn't been some of the worst and that it inspired all of the eugenics of the Nazis and, you know, the rise of white supremacy, but that this is happening on a global level. And because it's happening on a global level, we also have the the coalition that we can build with other countries, with other people and things that we can learn and how they combated this so that it doesn't feel entirely hopeless. And this is why it's important for us to, ha- to have geopolitics, right? And this is important for what's, for us to stand in solidarity with the global South, you know, to, to stand in solidarity with, um, you know, all of, of, of West Africa, you know, all of uh, right. East Africa, all of the Middle East, of, right. of South Asia. Like, like the, these movements are, are the fight for, um, human li- liberation, I had you know? A very dear friend, like a week ago, tell me that all politics is local. I'm like, uh, that's just not true for me. You know what I'm saying? because my humanity is global like i can't be anti-oppression so long as it only works for the people that live in dc like if my if my freedom comes at the expense of other people i am an oppressor and that's not anti-oppressive methodology i want there to be no oppression i want to contribute you know what i'm saying the same way where we try to like minimize our our, our eco footprint you know the, the same way we try to minimize our our energy footprint our carbon footprint i want to minimize as my oppression footprint and i have to think globally in terms of those kind of things to accomplish those goals oh man i mean this podcast i'm just like we're gonna go come full circle on that when we're talking about the importance of geopolitics and like why we have to care about things globally even though it might feel exhausting because i feel like what we're planning on talking about later is going to tie directly into this conversation so i just want to pause for that where it's like yeah and the reason for that is is a whole bunch of shit we're going to get to We are, let's go local. <laughs> Clearly, we got a new neighbor. She in the Supreme Court. What's up? Okay. So, <laughs> We're so excited. It's you so funny tell. because we, you know what I'm saying, we had to deal with this whole uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, you know, her passing. And now the, this is the new liberal number one conversation. Yo, man, the Democrats told me they was going to burn this shit down before they would let a motherfucker in. That's the shit I heard. It's rhetoric. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of that is like, can we, we can't trust everything. We have to be a discerning audience. We can't trust everything that we see. But also, I'm going to believe what you do. Do not what you say. The Democrats have never burned anything down because they're entirely centrist. <laughs> I mean, shit. Yeah, that's the. Which, <laughs> there's the the Shang Tsung laugh right there. Um, I got to remember to bring that back in. But so let's talk. Let's talk about uh, this situation because now it was like, oh my god, the world is going to end now. It's all over. A. Eh? Um. So let's talk about this this lady. Right. She's like super. Uh. She's super right wing. She's super like. Um, uh, that is said, not true. She is a liberal. I'll have you know, she adopted a little darky kid that she has raised as her own. 
She is a benevolent and loving, God-fearing woman. I do not know how you live with yourself. So what are you saying? She, she didn't know. So she didn't know the, the five, first five amendments of the Constitution, right? Which I guess is kind of a gotcha question. I don't know. Can most people read I, that? No, okay, wait, 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 wait. Not for somebody who has to serve on the Supreme Court. And this also speaks to, I mean, it is the ultimate white privilege where white people don't have to know shit and fail up. Because it's like, okay, what is your, you have, to, she hasn't tried any cases. <laughs> She's about to be a judge for a Supreme Court. She hasn't tried she any has cases. What does that mean? Interview. What do you mean tried it, it tried any cases? I don't understand what tried any cases means. She didn't try it. I'm sorry. I just, um, just speak on this shit for just a second, man. I hate all of these motherfuckers that are on there. All of them. All all these motherfuckers are rotten pieces of shit. They, I'm your huckleberry. They are super corrupt. But you know what I have to give them all? All of these people have written so much jurisprudence. I mean, these motherfuckers are goddamn. Think about the jurisprudence that all of the the, the shit that Kavanaugh has had to write, right? On any any of these amendments, right? Has probably written hundreds of essays about every way that he has interpreted this. Someone like Scalia, piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Roberts. Oh my, Roberts is the chief justice. He's probably had to. He's probably written several tomes on every single so like when we talk about failing to fuck up and how this is only patriarchy white supremacy privileges itself over every other thing and a patriarchy is just one more client but more than any other thing it serves itself and so when you have someone like amy who is an absolute adherent to this ideology that's all that matters and by try to case, I mean that she's never had to go uh, essentially in front of a court to make a verdict or argue an appeal in any court, nor has she pr- pr- promoted – it's not promoted, but performed, sorry. So she hasn't performed any pro bono work. She essentially teaches – law which makes it even worse that she can't name the first five amendments she of teaches, the Constitution. she teaches it so she teaches law she got her law degree but she has never experienced what a court is like and now she's going to sit on the highest court in the united states where she essentially has to review documents and say that this is <laughs> this is right this is wrong or not I say this is right, this is wrong, but really she's going to say this is legal, this is not legal. And she's made it supremely clear that, in my opinion, she doesn't give a shit about the law. What she cares about is her faith. She is a Catholic. She says that her faith supersedes her doing her job. So not only has she, like, doesn't really have the experience to hold the highest seat in the United States Supreme Court, but she's also said she's not going to do that job so that she can be the best Catholic that she can be. No! I hunt power. This, 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 oh, so, hey, so why are we talking about this, right? Because we were talking, when we were talking about Rufiator Ginsburg, uh, we were talking about how, like, we're not really interested in these Supreme Courts. Not you, you were talking about it earlier, Mo Man. I do not, agree, I don't believe that any of these people are uh, valid in terms of being able to establish what is law and what isn't law. Right, right, right. right. So why are we talking about it? So, so again, right. Okay, this, this, here's the point. Um, 
she this is a person where when we're talking about the jurisprudence uh, and we're talking about uh, we're gonna fight for ruth Bader ginsburg's seat forever it's important to vote to hold your nose and vote democrat because what about the judges but the person who's running for the presidency of the united states of america from the democratic point of view uh, i'm sorry uh, as the democratic candidate he said he has no problem with her he said she's just fine and where this becomes super problematic is when you're looking at his racist past and she's saying things like i don't think using the n-word in the workplace makes it a hostile work environment like this is a consistent tendency for democrats to overlook racism and be like well that's not real racism because even though she's never tried a case she's written a lot about the law um and we have so we have a body of work that we can look to i mean aside from the fact that they rushed her and i think the argument that like democrats and liberals keep trying to make is is this is a stain against rgb's legacy or rbg's legacy how dare they and i think we forget kind of the larger picture because the moment that they said they brought her up in the news as saying like 45 is considering amy coney barrett i looked her up and i was like oh yeah they're gonna put her in place and, and everybody's like well they can't do that they wouldn't let obama do it that would be against the morality yeah, of the couple. <laughs> right um and and i think in our heads we're still trying to reason with something that can't be reasoned with and we're not like i guess this is where empathy kind of fails both sides of this argument because being empathetic and understanding like who you're facing and who your opponent is i absolutely knew amy coney barrett was going to get instated into the u.s supreme court and the, part of the reason for that is is because 45 needs to get ahead of the election it's going to be a super contested election for a variety of reasons we really need to just need to resolve ourselves now fascism is not going to give up power and then, hunt and that Amy Coney Barrett fits not just the conservatives and the Republicans' view of what should happen, and that I hate the fallacious argument people have made, which is, we're going to lose all our rights. Bitch, we have internment camps. Black people are getting extrajudiciously murdered by the police. Having Amy Coney Barrett is not going to, like, are we going to lose the Affordable Health Care Act? Yes, we were absolutely always going to lose it, because this is the easier route for Republicans to take. You can make all the arguments you want. They don't give a shit if you die. They don't give a shit if LGBTQIA people have rights because they don't believe anyone but white men should have rights and she fulfills that agenda for them and the democrats are like but it's it's they're breaking the rules right and that's the public face right so you're forced to believe one of two things either the democrats are incapable of stopping these people or the the republicans enact the legislation that the democrats also want to see enacted it wouldn't be – it'd be impolitic for them to say these things, right? But we have to acknowledge, and this is the time for white supremacy, both the Democrats and the Republicans, the number one concern is to make sure that white people in America don't lose their supermajority. The only way this can be done is by changing the abortion laws and making white women have babies this is the bottom line in all of these things and this is what the democrats and the republicans both converge on i have a tweet may i, may I read it yes may absolutely. i go ahead <clears throat> um, from sean underscore vids great follow on twitter um attacking the dim establishment for being incompetent and easily outmaneuvered is wishful thinking it is easier to believe that than the other thing 
which is that the Democrats are trying to do exactly the things they are trying to do and succeeding totally. This is why I think this particular aspect of the Amy, Amy Coney Barrett confirmation is important. Democrats don't give a shit. They're not, they were going to put up a fight. There was zero fight. You're the Democratic, uh, well, candidate had no, but they voted. That's what I'm saying, but you already, this is the thing. The, 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 the votes are already counted. They didn't, they, they wouldn't have put this up if they didn't have the votes. They are, like, the whole point of fighting it and filibustering and all these other things, it's not really, it, it doesn't have a point spe- specifically because you, it was already bought, sold, and handled. So the whole point of getting upset about these things, you, you know what I'm saying? Like an aspect of, of, of being a liberal in general. What is important, I think, for this is that this now, like you were saying, Kita, is the – uh, uh, this is a person that is now adherent to Trump. Like that, this is a person who is for Trump, for fascism. Beholden to. Beholden to. Yeah, like she owes him everything now. Yeah, this is a lifetime, and again. It's a and lifetime it, appointment. She's uh, in her 30s. <laughs> I thought it was democracy. We're supposed to vote. I have to vote. I did. I did my ballot the other day. By the way, I'm voting for like neighborhood advisory committee. Like this is just like a small part of like living in Washington D.C. Like that I'm voting for. But I literally can't vote for a Supreme Court justice. This is democracy. This is why the Constitution has to be changed. This is why uh, Chile uh, voting that their Constitution has to be changed is so important. These are the things that we need to be uh, voting for. I'm not. I'm not care about this this vote blue for all things this, this the whole aspect of like these liberal talking points this person was uh, if you know the game you shouldn't be offended or upset about this this is how it works and i think that's why it's important we're bringing it up this person is an instrument of fascism and you you're watching it happen you you can't be upset about you, you guys mentioned so many so many things and i just want to you know Shout out to y'all. Do we have any more? Uh, talk, <laughs> well, talks I just on this? wanted to say that the reason it's a sign of fascism is is because it because everybody focuses on the law, right? And now she's going to help legalize things that are immoral and unjust. But it's not like she's brand new at it. This is the history of the United States Supreme Court in which they actually had discussions on who is white and who is black and then determined and took away the rights of a great many people. And this is at the core of what we always talk about, right? That we can't put our basic humanity in the hands of people who don't give a shit. We can't put our basic humanity and say, you have a right to vote for that, that that should be something that we discuss. It is not up for fucking discussion. Yeah, and I think uh, when it comes to like thinking about oppression in the United States as it's applied, Congress gets so much smoke. The president gets so much smoke. You know, Democrat, Republican, you normally talk shit about Congress. Congress is fucking terrible. They make laws. They're fucking terrible laws. No one's happy with Congress. You may hate particular presidents. Oh, this motherfucker was a piece of shit. But people do not put that smoke on the Supreme Court. And it just blows my mind when you look at how much they have stood for the the violence that's happened in this country. Most of all of the indigenous Americans were fucked, not just by Congress, but really by the Supreme Court. Oh, well, we rule that this is what those those contracts meant. This is what your reservation should be. This is what it means to be Native American. This is, you know what I'm saying? All that shit's coming from the Supreme fucking court. 
can we just real quickly, um, because I think this is important. This is going to be the last podcast we do, uh, before the election. Um, just, just any thoughts, because I know we were talking about, um, you know, like this election is vastly different just because, uh, well, not just because for, for a myriad of reasons, but definitely because, uh, we have COVID-19 out here ravaging the nation and I really don't want to step into a, uh, booth, you know, with uh, hundreds of people. We know that their wait times in Georgia to vote were up to 12 hours. Um, voting here in Washington, DC, uh, you, you know, it, it was up to six. I have friends waiting for six hours and I'm not trying to do that. So we're, we're mailing in ballots. Uh, we're dropping them off, so on and so forth. Uh, we are seeing now that mm, all, all kind of different um, stories are popping up where ballots yeah. are being thrown away, tossed aside, invalidated. They're marked as erroneous. You know, I'm going to tie in with this to the Supreme Court real quick. One thing the Supreme Court just ruled this week is it's not even uh, intimidation to open carry to fucking polling places. So now you're going to have Proud Boys with AR-15s at the fucking polling place. Thank you, Supreme Court. I don't feel like the Supreme Court also ruled that it's not illegal to close down polling places, even they've though they've closed down. They've already been closed. So, really, at the heart of this, I just want to state it for the record: this election is going to be a sham. We really have to wrap our heads around it. We have to go through the grief process and come to acceptance with it, um, and put blame where blame belongs. We are not going to blame people who did not vote. Facts. We are not going to blame, um, you know, people who were undecided. We're not going to blame disenfranchised. Even, we're not even going to blame the people who are like, well, I couldn't vote for Biden, so I voted for 45. The fact is, is blame where blame and needs shame. to, and mm-hmm. shame needs, we're not going to deflect our blame. Okay. We're going to hold it accountable because it's too easy to feel like the way we're going to gain control is to blame people that I can physically yell at and talk shit about on the internet that's not going to change the situation that we're about to be in after november 11th also fascists do not give up fucking power we are going to see a goddamn circus with this election where it's going to go back and forth well the popular vote well the mail-in ballots came in and 45 already has his plan in place of how he's going to invalidate every single vote until the Supreme Court says that he is the president of the United States. And of course, now he has the Supreme Court and the federal courts to do it. But also when we talk about, and this is just a tie end, we're talking about geopolitics. When you look at fascism, most Americans think fascism ended World War II. Oh, World War II was to end fascism. No, Franco was still a fascist in Spain. He died in the nineties, still in power. This person that was allied to fucking Benito Mussolini and fucking Trump. Uh, wow, look at that. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, the defuhr, you know what I'm saying, Hitler, this dude died, he stayed in power as a fascist, as the ruler of, uh, of Spain until the 90s. Pinochet died. You know, this person, these are people that are dying in the 90s. Fascism never went anywhere from a global perspective. Well, I mean, it went to the United States and Britain, because they Hello, took all those Nazis fascism. into the fold and put them in positions of power to essentially say, hey, you're not in trouble for massacre uh, trying to commit genocide against a whole bunch of people, you can come work for us. So, you know, they did go somewhere to the United States and Britain. Hey, but once we learn everything you know, or once you say something that's too fucking far off, we have some friends that would like to speak to you. It's serious out here. 
I think sometimes we have this like idea that American, like American exceptionalism allows us to believe or, or, or tells us to believe that only violent, horrible things happen in these other countries, these dictatorships where people don't get to vote and they, they don't have a, a, a voice within the government. Like this is your country too. Dummy, or you beautiful human, I mean to say. Maybe I shouldn't feel so much pressure to put a positive spin on things. <laughs> you know, dummy, but also beautiful human. And I think the reality is, is because what I keep seeing on the internet, of course, is people are still blaming everybody who didn't vote in 2016. Like that's when fascism started with 45. And this is the importance of looking at the entire history of the United States. And it didn't start with 20, um, 2016. And and a lot of other countries that had to deal with fascist governments even tried to warn us and say, like, hey, actually, you made your concessions long before that. We made our concessions with Bush in 2001 with the Patriot Act. We were all up in arms. But again, the Democrats also pushed this through. Um, But where it was like, yeah, actually, you can spy on us. You can take away our privacy for that sense of security so that we don't get – remember, like, the freaking terrorist chart where it was like, we're in orange, Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, the orange. Watch <laughs> yeah, out. And, and like, let's be honest. What are your fears? What are your genuine fears about radical Islamic terrorism in the United States? Like, it's it's unrealistic to believe that is. I feel like it's far more likely I'm going to be killed by a good old boy on a rampage. And and this is what most of the terror charts are Statistically showing. Statistically speaking, right? you are. But all of those Patriot Act laws are still on the books all since 2001. So like, we got to stop. Stop acting like we have to stop acting like this just happened. And when we give up the blame, blame Democrats for giving you candidates that you have no passion in. Blame the people that vote Republican that are openly voting for a naked fascism. Punch up. Don't punch down. Yes, punch up. So stop blaming people who aren't voting because I, I don't think people even understand the scope of how much voting has been disenfranchised. And of course they use that as an excuse where it's like, well, if, if voting didn't change things, then they wouldn't try to disenfranchise it. But I was like, we made our concessions. We already said the gerrymandering was fine. And I mean, like also the we, um, Gosh, having moved and lived in a lot of different places, seeing those regional differences play out too, because it's like the North punch down on the South, seeing like, well, why aren't black people in the South doing anything? And it was like, nigga, we were lucky we stopped being slaves, like, have, or that um, we stopped being enslaved by people. And then we had to deal with the Jim Crow South and segregation, which again, that's not like hundreds of years ago. That's our grandparents and great grandparents. Hey, I want to, I want to stop us here because, uh, uh, you know, we, we, I know we're super passionate about what's going on, but I want to, I want to talk about, uh, we, we do have podcasts, uh, specifically talking about a, why we're not voting for Joe Biden. Yep. Check that one out. Uh, we also have one on on uh, voting in the U.S. is rigged. And if you want to hear more about why, um, you know, the, the gerrymandering and, and it's way deeper than that. You right. know what I mean? Like there, there we have specific reasons and we have uh, specific information for you on those podcasts. If you've been listening to us for three seasons, you've probably – you know, already kind of feel where we're at. So I don't want to beat this over the head too much. What one last two uh, to check out yeah, I, is give, uh, everybody the, give give their last points. How about that? Uh, there's a lot more about what it, what did Malcolm X think about the Democrats? We have an up podcast on that. 
And my last note is this is the full circle. This is why we have to pay attention to geopolitics because it gives us these signals and signs of when the country's going downhill and how we can protect, but also signals and signs for how do we protest? How do we get the reins back? If voting has been eliminated as a solution, if all of these massacres are occurring, how do we build coalitions across race, ethnicity, religion, and countries in order to come together? The Hong Kong protest showed us like a whole bunch of shit that we can be doing y'all the fucking bolivians showing us shit that we can be doing chileans showing us shit that we can be doing and that's why we have to pay attention to geopolitics let's talk to him let's talk to him you don't make no money like that off of selling albums you make some sense your album gets sold in the stores for like 16 17 dollars and as an artist you be lucky if you getting 35 50 cent off your album yo that's real oh yo man i'm gonna cut you off right there okay so there's a piece of news speaking of geopolitics speaking Um, of geopolitics so i have to state at the start of this france is bullshit fuck france (laughs) france (laughs) i like you know french people cool we we with the people but the government now French pastries, marvelous. Delicious. Yeah, so fantastic. Uh, foreign French film, <laughs> the, the French films, I'm into them, you know what I'm saying? Motherfucking cognac gang. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but France's government, total bullshit. However, because we can learn from multiple things, you know, we can even glean some wheat from the fallowed fields. Uh, so France, recently the court has ruled... That young social media stars, or, you know, in the U.S., it's always called influencers, uh, young social media stars or influencers in France will be regulated under new child labor laws so that the money earned and hours worked by children who are under the age of 16 who spend a significant time creating and posting content will now be returned protected under french laws this means that any earnings they make will be safeguarded in a bank account but they can only access it when they turn 16 any company that wishes to employ underage social media stars will also need to be granted permission from local authorities and it protects the exploitation of the image uh, of children on online platforms uh, on tuesday as well so Gentlemen, I'll open it up to you first. I have thoughts. I have <laughs> thoughts um, because a, I, I, when you sent me this article, I had a u- unique, I think, response. I, I think I have a unique response to autonomy of young people in general. A, I'm glad this is a step in the right direction. Very nice, uh, uh, Kita. I remember maybe like eight months ago we were talking about how YouTube had a similar, a similar lawsuit that 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 they won or lost about YouTube uh, kids, quote unquote YouTube kids, and how they had a whole separate set of regulations for yeah. YouTube kids. And again, I'm here to protect young people in general. But I think also too for me, you know, maybe this is you know maybe being you know too far existential, too far out there, but. You you know, I, I just feel like kids and adults, like young people and and uh, older people, like we. There's too much separation between them. You know, like I I I wonder why. The, like once I go past 18, now are these same uh, rules and regulations that I put in to protect young people now are they out the door? Am I am I still not a young person at 18 years old in one day? Um, so for me, it's like. I, I hear this, I see this, but I feel like it's that we were talking about envisioning a new world. Like I want young people to – if you're an influencer out there, and I think I was reading in this article that they're, they're, they're making millions of dollars. I had no idea that millions of dollars were, were a part of that. Oh, and it's my like, God. Yeah. yeah. Not just in ad revenue but in sponsorships, um, which is what I think where the companies come from. But also – 
Yeah, I can understand kind of the mixed feelings about this. On one hand, it stops parents and family members and other companies from exploiting children um, who are being sometimes in some cases being forced or not even being fully cognizant of I'm going to be on the internet forever for laughs, jokes. Like, you know, we found out, I think somebody showed too, like the memes that were back in the nineties and that those people are grown up, but nobody can see them as adults because all they have is this immortalized meme and of a kid making a funny face and they never that? received no revenue from yeah, it. There's no regulation for it. Yeah. There's no regulation for it. So this is in one hand, this is a step in the right direction because kids do need to be protected in making content for themselves and for each other, but protected against um, the people that also try to abuse them. But And what I like about this law is, is that it says that children who put their shit out on the internet, even if it's their choice, it's content that they're creating, have a right to be forgotten. So that then when they become 18, 20, 25, and they're like, actually, I'm trying to do something else. I don't want that to be out there anymore. They can tell these companies and say, take it down. I don't want... I don't want me being a baby on the toilet to be out there anymore. So please take it down. And that right to be forgotten should extend to adults. So how do we like read right. this into how do we get privacy protections for everybody, it no feels matter your age? To me, to say, oh, kids deserve these type of uh, rights. They, but they, once you're 18, you, you knew you were using video chat. You knew that you didn't yeah. own the servers. You know that. Well, that goes back to we were talking about this too in um, uh, our podcast. Things more important than impeachment, right? Ding. You know uh, when you all these things are. You know it's not an NDA, but you, when you when you look at these user agreements, you're agreeing to everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no way that you can then you know back out of these uh, you know things that you just by hitting agree, you've signed your life away. And, and for and, kids, and, it's it's fine to take it away, but if adults know. Why? I don't know where I stand on that, right? This is something where I have lots of feelings Aww, because I think about, gross. you know, before there was the internet model, there was the Hollywood model, right? And I, all I know is all of these stars, these kids stars, they end up with so much trauma from the time that they spent in and they end up fucking broke, man. I mean, but it's not even like uh, the vague unknown kid stars look at the freaking kids from the 80s drew barrymore talks about her experiences the um the two guys who had to deal with being sexually abused so that yeah you're talking about Corey Haim and Corey feldman but like yeah even when you're not talking about like that kind of sexual exploitation just the financial exploitation gary coleman his parents you know he did all of those he had the number one show in america and when he was 18 he was fucking broke Michael Jackson, uh, which, you know, we could talk about a lot of things about Michael Jackson, but that he, you know, he and Janet Jackson were like, yeah, our parents took all of our money and that we had nothing, even though our records were number one. And so, yes, this law helps at least protect kids. I don't feel like it should only be available to them until they're 16. And I feel like it's 16 for France is the age of majority. We have to remember 18 isn't the age of majority in all countries. Um, But that, okay, how can then this law present the foundation, like Amin said, to give those protections to adults who also get exploited by the industry, by Hollywood, by companies just trying to make money. So I have a question for you guys, and I would like to see where y'all take this. 
What do you think should happen with that kind of money? Because you're talking about a child who doesn't have the contractual ability yet, right, to sign away things due to certain ages. Like, so, like, should they have access? Should the government have that money? And uh, what do you what do you call it? Escrow, whereas you know it can and it can accrue interest until they turn eighteen. Should the parents have access to that? Like, should the children be able to have access to it? At what point should that money be considered taxable? I think that's really complicated. So you go ahead. So that was my point I was going to make. This is how I know we'd be in I the know. same frequency. Do we make that meaningful moment. eye contact in the studio? Oh, yeah. And we're like, yes, you, homie. I'm so comfortable in this studio right now. <laughs> I understand this comfort level is a million. Isn't this the point? Of legislators, isn't this what Congress should be doing? <laughs> we have a whole new world, right? Okay, the world is evolving and changing at all times. Digitally is mainly how we live now. I mean, thank God, <clears throat> you know, we can convene when we want to. But how many people we're not allowed to get on? We haven't been able to, to get onto this podcast simply because it's a global pandemic right now, and it's just we can't be around each other. But what, what I'm saying is. This is, these are the things that legislators should be working on constantly. We shouldn't have to talk about, uh, you, you know, like universal health care. We shouldn't be talking about, uh, defunding the police. These, these are points that should already have been, uh, moved and, 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 and passed and, and, you know, uh, we're on to the next thing. So when you don't have legislative bodies discussing these things, not that really they're even the most qualified to do so. Um, I want to say this. I know that young people need to be protected. I know, uh, children are, uh, far more susceptible um, to to manipulation. But what I also want to say is I, I also think that they should be allowed to have autonomy. If yes. these young people are out here and they're influencers and they're making a million dollars, who is it for me to say to tell them they can't you have can't that money. spend that money? Yeah. Do you think 19-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 35-year-olds, 46-year-olds are quote-unquote good with money? Everybody's trying to exploit you. So you know what? If you're 50, if you're, if you're nine years old and you made $300,000 last year after taxes and all the things that you had to do. I don't give a damn if you want to buy 6,000 kilos of Skittles. <laughs> if that's what you choose to do. You know, people get to spend money on all kind of dumb shit. Didn't Conor McGregor just buy a Lamborghini yacht? Oh my god! Okay, yeah, he did. That, I think that's where I stand. No, I, and I agree with you. That but it's not perfect because I know young. I mean, it's it not perfect, but honestly, we have to treat. We keep treating children like they're incompetent. Like, well, we we treat them in a really weird way, right? We treat them that they have to grow up already, and that they're also incapable of doing anything. And and I think it kind of speaks. And I think I'm inspired, in fact, by Stacey Patton, where it's like, no, we have to treat children as autonomous autonomous human beings with agency so if we're talking about like well what should we do we don't have the the wherewithal to determine it we have to ask kids well what would be what are your opinions about this matter and also ask people like child stars who had to go through that as children like what protections do you wish you had as a kid and and like really just to kind of address the people that this affects so I, I note that you did say you feel like they should have to be taxed on that income. Kim, what about you? And then what becomes the implications for a child that makes seven million dollars a year but doesn't meet their tax obligation on some uh, president shit? You donated seven hundred fifty dollars. Okay, look, I, I am of the opinion 
look, we live in a fucking society. If you want to live in a community, you got to pay, pay your taxes. taxes. Okay? I don't care if you're two years old making $5 million or you are like 87 years old making $2 million. You have to pay taxes. I'm your huckleberry. Okay? I Like, I don't know. I, I think this is part of the propaganda against, like, doing your good to society. And part of that is contributing, not like everything that you've got, but contributing what you can to ensure that we have libraries, public transportation, that everybody has access to healthcare, that everybody can like have good, clean roads, that everybody has a home that they can live in. This is what I feel like. Nobody should pay for homes. Nobody should pay for food. Nobody should pay for water. Like nobody should pay for their medical care. And that's medical, mental, dental, vision, anything with your body you need help with, that should be part of your taxes. And what's fascinating to me is we're supposedly in a quote unquote Christian nation and literally Jesus said render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. Pay your fucking taxes. Is what Jesus said about this shit. Says the Jew. <laughs> this is so funny. Shout out Jesus though. Shout out the archetype of Jesus. You hey, know where that's was my kinfolk? I get to speak on right, what my kinfolk That's what I'm saying. Do. Jesus you know was out saying? in the streets with the sex workers, the poor people. He was talking to the criminals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He wasn't, uh, you know, doing fundraisers. Uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel like internet that should be utility. It should be taxed. Like it, it's paid for by your taxes. And I also just want to talk about this too because, like, I'm really confused a lot of times. When when people are like, oh, you know, these young people, they're on TikTok. They don't, they don't have no, uh, you know, they're just doing whatever they want to do. And it's like, what do you think they was doing before the internet? What do you think I was doing at 14, 15 years? I was on motherfucking AIM, okay? AOL Instant Messenger, <laughs> oh baby. God, talking back. about all kind of wild the shit. Way, way back. But also, what a capitalist argument. What are these kids doing? Nothing? Enjoying their lives? And the shit is hilarious. <laughs> oh it's fun God. to watch. Uh, people are hilarious and and I thank right. God for their content. And again, this is... So, and we're allowed to enjoy things. Thank you. We do not have to be production machines. I mean, I just don't understand what they want, man. It's like, I remember going to see, uh, you know what I'm saying, Batman versus Superman with you. And at the end, you're like, I don't understand what you want, right? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what these people want to see. Because, look, I lived in the deep south, man. If these kids wasn't on Vine, if these kids wasn't on TikTok, you know what they would be doing? Next. They'd be fucking or doing drugs. Or fucking on drugs. They on motherfucking the internet talking to their cat and building cookies and cooking fucking you know doing fashion and shit what the fuck do y'all want to see these kids doing Right. Right. And these kids are learning an incredible amount, right? Because it's like right. tech isn't easy, right? They got the freaking they're filmmakers. Like it's amazing Absolutely. the art that they're producing. But also, like, we I really hate that capitalist argument. Cause it's even like this is why Americans don't take vacation. That extreme poverty that we haven't fought for the time off that we should have a right to when it comes to our health. Um, and when it comes to like just our mental health and just taking a breather, where it's like, well, if you aren't producing something, I, I think about this too because this happens with me when i when people find out that i like to knit and they're like why don't you sell it you should sell it it's so good and it's like well first of all selling it is not worth it for lucrative me. industry lucrative industry turn all of your hobbies into income and I, ju- I just want something for me that i don't have to be amazing or excellent at but like that relaxes me that i do that i have a product at the end of the day and i feel like this too because now people because of this you have to be productive but you also can't be productive you have to be the absolute best at it and so this 
then people don't try things? And why are we discouraging kids from trying new things? Yo, and just to follow that point, not just even being productive, being productive in ways that generate clout and revenue that build the brand. What kind of pressure is that, man? Maybe I just like making fried chicken. Why do I have to have literally the best fried chicken and have 10 million people that watch me when I fry my chicken? Like, whatever the fuck I'm into. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do I have to have the number one recipe for my fried chicken to make it worth it that I like to do this shit? Maybe I shouldn't feel so much pressure to put a positive spin on things. And at the same time, we all broke out here. Extreme poverty. (laughs) Facts. Facts. Living in poverty out here when the money is fake and gang um you know i want to say but it is like that it is because people want the fame you know honestly i really think that's what it is it's the cloud and then what did the cloud bring the cloud brings social currency which will bring you friends even whether you know whatever it may be and it brings you actual currency you know you can give out of poverty so again i'm not mad at this this is like the whole aspect of trying to quote unquote become famous it's a it's a trap it's it's painful it's harmful and And watch, I mean, put us up on this. Uh, the social dilemma breaks this down in a really fascinating way. But it's the human need. Like, humans are aggressively social. It's our human need to be in community with each other, to, to be known, to have that kind of support system. And these things hack the human brain for the detriment, for in a way that, like, leads us into poor health, that leads us into mental issue, mental health issues, that really kind of damages our self-worth. But, like... Also, you know, sometimes we just need to enjoy things. I like TikTok videos. They're so funny. Yo, that Hunter Hunter TikTok, man, uh, my homie, uh, Diane sent that. that shit was hilarious. I mean, yeah. it, it's just such an inventive and creative media. Vine compilations. Man. TikTok compilations. I love it. Uh, real quickly, were you about to say something? I was going to talk more about this. Personally. Uh, go for it, man. Uh, you know, and because, you know, we talk about this a lot, my man. I do remember growing up, um, my money was my parents' money, whether I wanted to have it Facts. or not, you know? I had to pay my parents' taxes. <laughs> right. No joke. No, let me tell you straight up. At the age of 16, I was paying the rent in my house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, yeah. again, I, I, I see that we are, we want young people to have autonomy over their money. Even though I had a very contentious relationship with my parents, we've talked about this on here before. I still would have gave him the money regardless. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was in ways it, it was, it was my choice in, in, in some ways, you know, because I, of course I, I care for them spend deeply. time as Charlie man, hoping that we meet our fucking Wonka factory. Everything comes back to revolutionary ideology. Yeah. I'm sorry, philosophy. Um, you know, because if, if people live in poverty and people are always trying to find capital, like I, of course, you were talking about the the celebrity kids. Of course, they're going to try to be exploited. I mean, people are trying to survive out here. You know, I'm not saying that. Again, we don't blame the people. We blame the system. Yes. And you know, the fact that child labor laws are put in place because you know, 12 year olds shouldn't be working at coal factories is very different than a 15 year old on TikTok making videos to the baby. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> that, that, that is. Why can't we separate? The, why don't we live in a world with nuance? 
<laughs> because nuance is hard. <laughs> it's hard to be smart. Constantly engaging your brain, and the human brain doesn't want to do that. It wants the easy. Part. I like to do that. Okay, I, I do too, my friend. And you were talking about you, you know, just knitting. You did something you don't want to be not necessarily be great at. As a Leo, I got to be great at it. I mean, bit. ironically, <laughs> I see you're right. Ironically, to swing it back around to Congress, right? This is one of the par- reasons why we're not there yet. Is because we're bringing people to judicial. I'm sorry, legislative bodies that don't even have the the skill set to be able to adequately break up intellectual property laws because these are where these laws need to be happening on a federal level. I mean, and it goes back to what I mean was talking about ageism. We're going to take it to a legislative body who can't remember being kids from like seventy Seriously. years ago. Like who don't understand? They don't even understand emojis, and we have to try to explain. Okay, so memes and TikToks, and it's like, but that's a frog. Why are they saying they're like a frog? And it's like, okay, but that's a, okay. I can't explain. They keep sending me eggplants. What's what is that? Understand that, <laughs> and you're like, oh. Look, someone try it, okay? Someone try one. Okay, so uh, uh, real quickly, I have a question. We're just going to ask. Period. I'm just going to ask y'all right now. Okay. Uh, we are about an hour into this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We had a third segment, y'all. We had a third segment about the environment that was going to tie into what we were talking about in the beginning with Exit the Matrix. But again, we're about an hour. What do y'all want to do? Do y'all want to push through and get this thing done? How about we do the environmental corner as an as a pulse? Is that fair, or does it not We're fit the We're talking about this directly on air. This is the conversations <laughs> that we have. Yo. We're letting you into uh, what it is. No, no, you okay? What is this? Are you cutting? This is a cut. All right. So we have our stage manager over here, uh, Mo Man, uh, telling us that we should cut him. Weaving his arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a UFC fighter. He's just like, yeah, cut it, cut it, real, cut fight. it off. Stop the fight. So look, we, we listen. <laughs> I think what we needed to talk about was important. Um, this is again, this is going to be our last podcast before, uh, the election night takes place. I assume we will be sorting through this for much longer. Stay the fuck safe. Stay safe. Um, uh, shout out to the organers, organers, people (laughs) playing organs. Shout shout out to the organizers. Um, grassroots folks. Uh, what was the quote that your friend had said, Mo Man? Like all politics are local politics or something absurd like that? All politics are local. It's a cliche. It's a straight up cliche. Um, it is I, a cliche, but Amin said this before. Local politics are important because the federal government is freaking insane. But we, where can you do change? It's in the grassroots and local happens. organizations. All no change goodness. happens through grassroots. Yes. I think that's that's what the crux of the conversation is. Change happens through grassroots organizing. Power to the people. Um, like Moment was saying, stay safe. Stay indoors if you can. Um, I do uh, appreciate volatile civil unrest. It is the way that we're going to um, you know, make change in this world. But uh, understand that right now the left is going to protest. The right is going to showings of arms. So you know what I'm saying? White like, people want to kill you. I mean, they're taking guns to the polling places, so yeah. You know what I'm saying? So stay safe. Stay safe. Um, one, one last thing too. Um, I, I had, I think we're going to do a whole podcast on this, but uh, a lot of folks have been hitting me up through back channels or through the, the, the podcast in of itself. I want to give them a shout out with their own time. But again, like Bowman was talking about in the beginning, um, you know, we, we really are 
like the voice of the left out here. This is just Leo talk right now. Uh, we want to be shared. We want, you know what I'm saying? You to, to hit us up too. exit the matrix podcast at gmail.com, uh, matrix podcast on, uh, Facebook and, um, I'm sorry, uh, Instagram, uh, matrix podcast on Twitter, hit us up and engage with us. Uh, we care about the people and, um, you know, we, we love ourselves. We love y'all too. We want to envision a better world. And, uh, this is what we're going to have to do. If you want to move forward, it's not going to be just voting blue, but, uh, you know that already. Um, do I have any final thoughts from these two in- incredible human beings that are sitting next to me? Any final thoughts from y'all? Yeah. Stay safe, but also, you know, build your community and love that community. Like support each other. We really are going to need to support each other during what we're going to have to face. Um, and this should not happen in isolation for your health. Revolution on way. Gang, love y'all. I'm your huckleberry. I do not know how you live with yourself. doing nothing enjoying their lives and <laughs> like